BestBookBits.com brings you the book summary of A Guide to Rational Living by Albert Ellis. A Guide to Rational Living 1975 suggests that it is our irrational thoughts and beliefs which are the root cause behind most of the emotional disturbances that we experience. The author, Albert Ellis, 1913-2007, was one of the most influential psychotherapists to have lived. He pioneered Rational Emotive Behaviour Therapy, REBT, which gained widespread popularity in the 1960s and is the foundation of this book. A Guide to Rational Living Summary People and things are not in themselves upsetting. Rather, it is our telling ourselves that they are upsetting which upsets us. Rational living, like all aspects, is a process, an ongoing attempt and experiment. It is hardly a product or a final result. The aim of adopting rationality is not to be more happy, but rather to straighten out one's thinking so that one is chronically less unhappy. Irrational philosophies. Isn't it terrible that? Wouldn't it be awful if? Dispute irrational philosophies. Why would it be so terrible that? Would it really be so awful if? The three musts that hold us back. Number one, I must do well. Number two, you must treat me well. And number three, the world must be easy. The best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother, the economy, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. 10 Irrational Ideas Number 1. It is a dire necessity for an adult to be loved or approved by almost everyone for virtually everything he does. Number 2. One should be thoroughly competent, adequate, and achieving in all possible respects. Number 2. Certain people are bad, wicked, or villainous, and that they should be severely blamed and punished for their sins. Number 4. It is terrible, horrible, and catastrophic when things are not going the way one should like them to go. And number five of irrational ideas, human unhappiness externally cause and that people have little or no ability to control their sorrows and rid themselves of their negative feelings. Number six, if something is or may be dangerous or fearsome, one should be terribly occupied with and upset about it. Number seven, of the irrational ideas. It is easier to avoid facing many life difficulties and self-responsibilities than to undertake more rewarding forms of self-discipline. Number eight, the past is all important and that because something once strongly affected one's life, it should indefinitely do so. Number nine, people and things should be different from the way they are and that it is catastrophic if perfect solutions to the grim realities of life are not immediately found. And the last irrational fear number 10, maximum human happiness can be achieved by inertia and inaction or by passively and uncommittingly enjoying oneself. A Guide to Rational Living Summary Key Insights To fight in rationality, life is truly rational only when it is experienced for the purpose of making the liver less unhappy and more satisfied with his existence. Addressing the misconception that many critics of rational therapy tend to hold, Alice clarifies that adopting rationality is not synonymous with living a cold, unfeeling and mechanical existence. He writes, Human reason 
includes and to silently makes allowances for emotionality, unthinking habit performance, and whatever else is needed for an effective, anxiety-minimized existence. Furthermore, he adds that human emotion, sensitivity, creativity, and art are normally as rational as they could possibly be. The difference between thinking and emoting. Some people perceive, move, think, and feel, where others perceive, move, think, and feel. The latter predominantly feel, while the former are those who predominantly think. Here's an example to clarify. The thinking person may notice moldy bread. Remember that eating moldy part of the bread previously made them ill, and therefore cut the moldy part and ate the remainder. On the other hand, the emotional individual may see the same piece of bread and remember so violently or prejudicially his previous experience with the moldy part that he throws away all the bread. In this scenario, the thinking person uses maximum information available to him. Moldy bread is bad, but the not moldy bread is good. The emoting individual, however, uses only part of the information. Moldy bread is unpleasant. As a result, Alice argues that a thinking individual is a person who is able to make better, more informed decisions because he has less bias by previous experiences. In addition, he can consider his past experience without being overwhelmed by them. Why the thinking process is emphasized in rational psychotherapy. Albert Ellis writes, Man, in competition with other animals, once had the problem of seeing, moving and thinking better than they did, in order to ensure his own survival. Today, after inventing eyeglasses, radar, aircraft, electronic calculators and other perceiving moving thinking aids, he rules supreme on the earth and is literally seeking other worlds to conquer. Only in the emotional area has man yet made remarkably few advances. In spite of amazing progress in other areas, he still is not appreciably more emotionally mature, stable and happy than he was in past centuries. Indeed, he is in some ways more childish, emotionally uncontrollable and mentally ill than ever. You must face the fact that because you are a fallible human being, you often will have great difficulty getting started along a certain constructive line, and that normal principles of inertia will tend to hold you back and make the starting process quite a chore. You must therefore expect these problems to occur, and programmatically accept the fact that you will often have to use extra push and extra energy to get yourself on the road to self-discipline. Once you get going at brushing your teeth or getting up in the morning to travel to work, your tasks will tend to get easier and sometimes even enjoyable. But at the start, it is not usually easy and you must not expect it to be. Easy or not, you must keep convincing yourself that if you want to obtain certain present or future results, there simply is no other way and it is to your own advantage to discipline yourself in a given manner. Albert Ellis the two types of pain and how one's attitude can make things worse. In his book, A Guide to Rational Living, Alice tells us that there are two types of pain that an individual may experience. The first is physical pain, which one may experience from a headache or being physically assaulted or by having an accident, etc. The second is psychological pain, which is experienced through rejection, the loss of a family member or being anxious or depressed. 
with physical pain you don't have much control over, as something could literally fall on you or you could be in an accident. Although these events are unfortunate, Alice tells us that one can make the pain that they experience as a result of the event significantly worse, merely with the attitude they hold. He clarifies, sustained emotion, in particular, normally stems from sustained thought. Since adult human beings usually think in terms of internalized phrases and sentences or self-talk, they sustain their emotions by talking to themselves or telling themselves certain kinds of sentences. If you have a headache and keep telling yourself how terrible the pain is and how unfair it is that you have been afflicted with it, then you will tend to prolong and intensify your discomfort. On the other hand, if you tell yourself that it is unfortunate that you have a headache and that it's not so bad since it is something that happens to people, then you don't add to the discomfort and the pain eventually subsides. Thus, human emotions can often be radically controlled or changed by determining precisely the kind of sentence lying behind them and then by changing these sentences. On depression, Alice points out that what we tell ourselves, or in other words, our internal dialogue, is one of the main causes behind our depression. His book contains numerous transcripts or recorded therapy sessions between him and his patients. The following is an instance where Alice advises one of his clients on how to cure themselves of their depression. The best you can do at first is to observe your depression states after they've already arisen and then to see by theoretical analysis and interference that you must have brought on them by telling yourself some nonsense. This will often be difficult, for once your depression sets in, as you noted a while ago, you don't feel like an undepressing yourself again, you almost want to stay depressed. And unless you combat these feelings and actively go after your underlying sentences with which you created your depression, you will, of course, stay quite miserable. Now the depressed individual faces a dilemma, to remain depressed indefinitely or to force themselves to take those negative feelings by observing what they did to create it in the first place. A tough choice, writes Alice, but if you keep taking the lesser of these two of evils, that is, combating your negative feelings, then eventually the time comes when your basic philosophy of life matures. As a result, you will depress yourself much more rarely to begin with and have an easier time getting yourself out of your vile mood when you do unconsciously put yourself in one. I just want to quickly take a pause with this summary and just want to take a moment to say thank you for watching and listening to this summary. We have currently uploaded more than 600 free video, audio and written book summaries at Best Book Bits. We'd love for you to become a fan of us at bestbookbits.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also help keep Best Book Bits financially alive by checking out our products and services in the links and show notes below, such as our physical books, downloadable PDFs, subscribing to our newsletters, consuming our courses, and joining our coaching programs. Thanks again for being a fan, and on with the summary. Overcoming Anxiety On the subject of anxiety, Alice stresses the importance of being able to dispute one's irrational philosophies. Track your worries and anxieties back to the specific sentences of which they consist. Invariably, you will find that you are telling yourself, isn't it terrible that? Wouldn't it be awful? If, he advises his patients to counter these irrational philosophies. 
Why would it be so terrible that? Would it really be so awful if? He adds, certainly, if this or that happened, it might well be inconvenient, annoying, or unfortunate. But would it really be catastrophic? Thus, to overcome any specific anxiety, Alice writes, verbal or active propagandization are usually essential. You must first realize that you create the anxiety by your internalized sentences, and you must vigorously and persistently ferret out these sentences and challenge and contradict them. Then you must also push yourself to do the thing you are sensibly afraid of and act against your fear. Controlling your emotions. When you are, for any reason, overwhelmed with anxiety, anger, depression, or guilt, you should always realize that it is invariably and not outward people and events that are causing you to feel these negative emotions, but your own ideological, internalized sentences. Even in the midst of these feelings, you can still genuinely look objectively at your own verbalizations. You then ferret out the irrational links in the chains, the shoulds, the oughts, and the musses with which you have illegitimately woven into them, and vigorously question and challenge these irrationalities. Effectively dealing with past influences. Alice advises, accept the fact that your past is important and that you are bound to be significantly influenced by it in many ways, but accept equally the fact that your present is your past of tomorrow. You cannot today make a single right about turn and be an entirely different person from the one you were yesterday. But you can start changing yourself significantly today so that eventually you will be quite different individual. By doing new kinds of thinking and undergoing new experiences in the present, he adds, objectively acknowledging your past errors instead of moralistically blaming yourself for them, you can learn to use your disadvantages past for your own present and future benefit instead of automatically repeating your past mistakes, because once you make them, you can calmly observe and question these misdeeds. And that's wrapping the book summary of A Guide to Rational Living. If you like this summary and want to download the PDF, click the link below or in the show notes to access this, along with other 600 PDF summaries. If you want to be a contributor to Best Book Bits and become part of the community to help read books, create summaries, and do audio recordings, email me at info at bestbookbits.com or DM me on Instagram at bestbookbits. You can also join our free book club at Facebook. And if you want me to do a book summary, comment, DM me, or email me. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye now.